And this is officially the best two-minute drill we've ever had. Fired me the fuck up. Come on. <laughs> it was a nice fall afternoon today, so I had a, I had a pumpkin vanilla one. It was, it was it was really good. Pumpkin spice latte season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that first off-season here was the most difficult and most fun off-season I've ever had. I feel like what has carried me throughout my life and has given me the strength to go out and do the things that I've done, which is never give up. What is an NFL quarterback room like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities, and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. I'm just a big believer in repetition. I'm a big team guy, and goals never end. I'm just a big, 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 I'm a big team guy, and once I stepped on that field today. Sounds good, man. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Room. This is episode 11. I am Kyle Allen. Your host with me is Jordan Palmer, quarterback guru, some would say, quarterback coach, um, both living out of Orange County, California. I'm currently in Houston with the Houston Texans. This is episode 11. I grew here. You flew here, bro. Okay. Anyways. Arizona guy. I'm I'm a SoCal local now, though. There Actually, I'm a license now, so I'm not a SoCal local. Anyways, back to the room. This is the quarterback room. If you're here and you've listened to shows before, welcome back. We're getting better and better every week. We're trying to give you the best stuff. No bullshit in here. We're trying to cut out some good stuff and get into the interviews too. We got a great interview today with Will Levis. Jordan, you know Will Levis pretty well. Um, tell us a little bit about him real quick. Yeah, Will Levis is going to be uh, uh, more of a household name here come really spring uh, is going to be a high pick. He's got a chance to be the number one pick. Um, it probably as good as chance as anybody um, of that group of guys that CJ Stroud and the Bryce Youngs and whoever the top defensive ends are this year. I don't know um, to be the number one pick, but uh, he's going to have a bright NFL career. He's going to be the face of a franchise for a long time, but right now he's the face of the Kentucky Wildcats. He started at Penn state. He got beat out. He had to transfer. He's been through a ton. Um, and, uh, I'm fired up to interview him today. Uh, guy I've spent some time with, you've spent some time with this past off season. So uh, this will be our first time sitting down in this format, but um, it's one of those guys who is going to be really big down the road because of what's going to happen for him in the NFL. But hold up. They got Tennessee at Tennessee this weekend. Tennessee is as hot as anybody in college football and great quarterback play in the SEC has proven over time that if the other team's quarterback goes off, they can beat anybody. And um, Will Levis gets a chance to take out uh, Tennessee this weekend. Quarterback play in college football in general has been incredible this year. You got Will, CJ Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, uh, Hendon Hooker, tons of more names. Awesome to watch. Personally, not very pumped about it because they're coming for my jobs. So stay in college as long as you can. Um, But anyways, I'm excited to get Will, bring him into our quarterback room. Um, Just if you're new to the show, the quarterback room, What we created this for is we wanted to bring everyone into the quarterback room and hear the conversation we have. It's not just about scheme. It's not just about football. It's not about um, trying to get first downs and touchdowns. It's a lot of random conversation. We spend eight hours a day in the quarterback room. Like we're in there all day long. And I was in there all day long today. Our quarterback room has no windows. I haven't seen sunlight in days. I was just asking some of my um, other quarterbacks on the team, have you ever had a, a meeting room with windows in it? And everyone said no. Every quarterback room is just a pitch black hole. It's super random. But um, 
It's just full of knowledge and experience. It's just, you're locking all the knowledge in. But anyways, we're bringing you guys into that. Um, Obviously there's going to be tons of high level conversation. I think Will's a really smart dude. So it's going to be fun to pick his brain on, on scheme and how they run their NFL style offense. It's probably the most NFL style offense in college football today. I think I saw a stat the other day when they played Ole Miss, their time to snap between like, like when the play clock is, they take like 37 seconds per play on the play clock, which is crazy, especially in the up-tempo offense. Ole Miss took like 19 seconds. So they're very mm. pro-style, very wordy offense, which is going to help in the league, but I'm excited for that. Um, before we get into the interview with him, we're going to do throw a deeper check it down today. For those of you who've been here before, we kind of do a longer interview before or just between me and Jordan. Today, we're just going to cut it down. We're just going to do throw a deeper check it down, go into some of the, the hottest takes around the league today give our thoughts on a couple of things, and then we're going to get into the interview with Will. So here's the segment. Throw it deeper, check it down. Bo Nix, our guest from last week, hell of a game against UCLA. I think he had five touchdowns. We were flying during the game when I landed. He was up 20-plus points. Ball and DTR played well too, but it was just Bo Nix and Oregon's day. The take here is, will Bo Nix win the Heisman? And before you give your answer, let me read you off some stats. Right now, he's the sixth best odds to win the Heisman. His stats compared to some other people in the college football. 71% completion percentage, 1,800 yards, 8.5 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, only three interceptions. Now, you compare that to C.J. Stroud, 70% completion percentage, 2,000 yards, 10.6 yards per attempt. Here's the only one where it's crazy. And when I read this, I was like, are you kidding me? C.J. Stroud has 28 touchdowns right now, four interceptions. But you compare those to other people around the league, the stats are pretty impressive. What What's your thoughts? Do you think he's got a chance? I'm checking it down on him winning the Heisman. I'm throwing it deep on him going to New York as a finalist, though. Um, you said it. With CJ's stats, he's got 28 touchdowns already, and I'm looking at this schedule. I don't think they play against any – Ohio State, I don't think they play against anybody this season as good as them until they play an SEC team in the college football playoff. Now, in the past, they've done that and then got the brakes beaten off of them by one of those. But this year, I, I just think it's his. The college football playoff doesn't happen until after the Heisman. Uh, I just think this is as runaway Heisman campaign as we've seen out of C.J. Stroud. And even even though when they're up 28, he can still throw a flat route and the guy takes it 60 to the high. He just, that, that's the extra touchdown each week. You get to 28 touchdowns. Not by chucking posts when you're up 35. You get to 28 touchdowns at this point in the season. When you're actually just putting the ball in play, they just can't tackle the guys on your team and they score touchdowns, right? Um, but I think Bo Nixon's up a Heisman finalist. Uh, Marcus won it when he was at Oregon. Um, I don't think Oregon plays another team this year where they're not the better team as well. And and maybe they play SC. If they play SC, that'll be close, but I still don't even know that one. Um, but it's Pac-12 versus Big Ten. Right, so who Oregon's playing against versus who Ohio State's playing against? So um, I'm checking that down, even though I'm a huge Bo Nix fan. Um, but I think Bo Nix is going to end up in in New York, and uh, and what a story that is for a guy who uh, really struggled at Auburn and to get it going, and they, he moved on, and now he's at Oregon, and I think he ends up in New York. So checking it down on the Heisman, throwing it deep on as a finalist. Got you agree or no? I got to yeah. check it down too. And just, I'm thinking of guys that when you're talking about CJ Stroud, I mean, you look at, I don't know what Bryce Young's stats are. I don't know if they're as good as they were last year. Bryce Young reigning Heisman, Hendon Hooker, 
balling. I don't know what his stats are, but he's absolutely balling. And I just don't know, like Ohio State, you, you watch them play on Saturday, like teams are in it for like a quarter and you're like, oh, they might have a chance. They might have a chance. And then 70-yard touchdown, 65-yard touchdown, interception for a touchdown. Like they just score so quickly. And it's like you said, they take flat routes to the house. And who's it, Marvin Harrison Jr.? Is that who the, the wide receiver yeah. is? Yeah, it's one of the wide receivers they have there. Yeah, one of them. It's in the, I forgot his name, Smith and Jigba or whatever. Smith and Smith and Jigba, yeah. Jigba, yeah. Baller, he's been hurt, I think. But yeah, I think CJ's running away with it. But I agree. I do think he makes it to New York, depending on how many people they take. I don't know how they come up with that number. But if he keeps playing the way he is, these stats are incredible, especially with the turnovers. Just one more highlight on that. His turnovers at Auburn were always the issue. Always mm-hmm. returning the ball over, trying to do too much. I think two of his interceptions, maybe all three of them were against Georgia. So he's been playing lights out. Pumped for him. Um, next one, Daniel Jones, NFC East. Who NFC East, that was in the NFC East last year. People were hating on the NFC East last year. This year, it's one of the best conferences in football. Eagles 6-0, and Giants 5-1, and Cowboys, I think 4-2, and maybe 5-1 and as well. Everyone's playing well. The take is, does Daniel Jones win a playoff game with the New York Giants this year? I'm throwing it deep. I'm throwing it deep. I know. But it's because of Brian Dable. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You know how I feel about Dave's. Like, I think he's one of the best coaches in football, and there's a chance he's the best coach in football. Because put the list together, okay? You got Sean McVay up there. You got Bill Belichick up there. Bill Belichick's having the worst season of his career as a head coach. Sean McVay, I don't know the stat on the stats in front of me, but this has got to be one of the worst years of his career. He's only been coached for four or five years, right? Um, and, and you go around, and I said football. So you look at Saban, right? Like they already got a loss. They already went. This isn't the best year of his. I'm just saying, like I think Brian Dable might be, and it's a subjective thing here because you can't like just look at stats, but like. I don't know, man. Uh, I think it was Belichick. Somebody said this about Brian Dable. I think it was Belichick where he said he was complimenting him. And they said, as one of the few coaches who, if he was the special teams coordinator, he'd be one of the most dynamic, best special team coordinators in the NFL. If he was an offensive coordinator, well, he's already proven he's arguably the best offensive coordinator in football. If he was a defensive coordinator, he would be one of the best defensive coordinators in the league or the best defensive coordinator in the league. One of the rare coaches like you play in the NFL, I used to play in the NFL. Like I couldn't be a defensive coordinator, and I couldn't draw up kickoff coverage. I don't fucking have a clue how kickoff works. Um, this is one of the most dynamic coaches in all of football. He's rallying around Saquon, who didn't get his option picked up. Daniel Jones, who didn't get his option picked up. This guy, that guy, the receivers. This the guy from Florida is not even playing. This other guy's hurt. Like. It's a dumpster fire of personnel, and they are five and one. They are rolling. They are only going to get better. And what he's not doing is like calling trick plays and getting onside kick. What he's doing is he's elevating everybody's play. So this is my throw at deep here is not based off of how they've played. It's my expectation that these guys are going to play their best ball in December, and you do not want to play New York at the end of the season. No, not in MetLife. That stadium fucking sucks. I'll take the Giants over the Cowboys at the end of the year record for sure, based, strictly based off of who the head coach is. Throwing it deep? You're throwing, throwing it way deep. deep on that. Way deep. I'm going to throw it deep. I'm going to throw it deep for a different reason. Mm. I respect the shit out of the table. I mean, what he did with Josh and Buffalo and now what he's doing there. 
incredible. Obvious, he's up for coach of the year at this point. I think everyone kind of has locked he's him coach in. coach of the year. Part of this. I mean, Sirianni in Philly, though, like people are really high on him. He's doing an awesome job there. Two NFC East teams. But I'm throwing it deep off of this stat. In their five wins this year, Daniel Jones has six game or five game winning drives in all those wins. Fourth quarter game winning drives. No one else in the league has more than three. From a quarterback perspective, that is probably the most important thing you can do is no matter how the entire game has gone, no matter what's gone on in the fourth quarter when there's six minutes left, three minutes left, a minute 30 left, if you can find a way to bring your team down the field and kick a field goal or score a touchdown when you need it, that is all that matters. And Daniel Jones, who in his career probably hasn't had that many of those, if you look at his total win percentage or his overall wins, probably hasn't had that many of those. And with Brian Dable coming in, whatever the coaching has been, whatever the scheme has been, has elevated that part of his game and whatever he has done to elevate that part of his game, that's what's going to take him over the edge, especially in those December months, right? When you, you always put, you got to play your best ball in December and January. That's what North Turner always used to say to us. Got to play your best ball late in the year. That's what's going to win them games. I'm throwing it deep. I love it. One more thing on Daniel Jones too. That stat you just said, I bet if you ask all the quarterbacks in the NFL and you rank what's the mo- what's the what's the most like respectable stat that a player can have? Like you hear that a guy did that, what do you respect the most? It's not yards, it's not touchdowns, it's not interception. I bet it's that stat. It's fourth mm-hmm. quarter comebacks or two-minute drives or what it's something around that. So for all the people who've doubted and maybe he brought it on himself, but all the people who've doubted Danny Dimes, which I actually scratch that. I hate that that's his nickname. Everyone who doubted Daniel Jones and all that, like, I don't know, man. I watched him at Duke get hit as hard as any college quarterback I've ever seen. I watched every play of him in college. And I was just like, toughness, not an issue. Balls, not not a question. So I love that it's coming together for him in this year and he's had the grit to go through it. And I love that he's the best in the league at that stat, not – completion percentage on third down or some shit that's actually dependent on upon to the people that's kind of on you especially when you judge quarterbacks off wins and losses if you're going to do that that's got to be the best stat yeah all right next one this is an interesting one because it's very unlikely that this will happen but the the power of play in this conference in the sec is at an all-time high right now the sec has been the best conference in college football for a long time this year just how top heavy it is not even top heavy it's pretty it's pretty good all the way through but here's the take. Three SEC teams will make the college football playoff this year. And that's pulling from a pool of Alabama, who reigning, well, not reigning national championship, Georgia won last year, but perennial number one team, always number one, always the top dog, always the team to beat in the SEC. Tennessee, the team who just beat the top dog in the SEC. Georgia, reigning national champion. And throw in, people forget about Ole Miss already after one loss, but one loss Ole Miss. Is there any possibility that three SEC teams make it? I actually am throwing this deep. Um, so let's get outside the SEC to approach this answer of mine. Okay. I think Michigan loses to Ohio State so bad that wherever they're ranked, they end up at fifth or worse. Okay. So, Ohio State. I, so Ohio State goes in okay, mm-hmm. to the final four. Then you go pack 12. Well, SC already lost to Utah. Utah has a loss or two losses. Okay, Mm -hmm. so nobody from the Pac-12 can make it. Oregon, maybe, but I don't think that Oregon can make up the ground to get to four. Right? Now, I don't know where they're at. Only loss is Georgia? 
I, I just, I, I don't, I, I, that's the only thing that I think happens because my next thing is Clemson where you go, well, Clemson's undefeated, man. They got quarterback controversy. They benched their quarterback last week to come back and beat Syracuse. And then they're going to start DJ this week at Notre Dame. But the true threat, that's a lot of noise there in that locker room, man. I, I wouldn't bet on that team going undefeated unless Klubnik comes in and catches fire and rolls or DJ changes what he's been doing, which I think is hard to do in the middle of the season. So I don't see Clemson getting in and nobody else in the ACC gets in. Um, nobody else, I don't think Michigan, I don't think any of these other Big Ten teams can get in. So with that being said, like I think it's Ohio State and I think it ends up being Georgia, Bama, Tennessee. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer in Ole Miss going all the way through. When you could beat like that at LSU after two weeks after LSU got beat that bad by somebody else, that's just an up and down team. That's a lot of talent, but not a lot of depth. That's a lot of like, you know, dudes who can make plays, not a lot of just sound football being played across the board. So I think this is a weird year where, yeah, we could see three teams kind of like every now in the NFL, you see three teams from one division, make it to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's one of those outlier years, Oregon being, I think the only one that can really, disrupt it i didn't say anything about the big 12 but i just think the tcu oklahoma state all the like the i just don't i think the country doesn't have as much respect for the big 12 yeah and i just feel like at some point they're gonna beat each other up i'm gonna check and in. sorry cincinnati went made it last year we don't have anybody from that conference like houston's not in it yeah, since he already has right. a lot like we're not gonna get that like since no he had fun. to have two years of wins to put themselves yep. in the position to do that last year yep i'm gonna check it down based off what you said about the nfl right three teams can make it from a conference, but the NFL is strictly based off of like whatever algorithm and statistic it is. Right. Yeah. When the division you're in this amount of wins, like, and then it goes to head to head, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a bunch of different things go through, but it's not a committee. College is a committee. It's political. I don't think that they will let it happen. No matter if it's the four or three best teams in the country. I think people are sick of, the SEC running everything. They're sick of everyone. The SEC winning every year. And I mean, the SEC is probably going to win again this year. I hate to say it, but to put three teams in there and have all these other conferences, there's just too much politics that go on with it. So even if they are the best teams, which I truly think Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia are the three best teams in the country right now. I just, they can't do it. And so I'm checking it down strictly off of politics. I'm standing with my answer, but I totally agree with you, and I'm open to the possibility of that. I, I can see that happen too. Yeah, there's politics in this. There's some behind the scenes shit going on with like teams maybe going to form their own conference and change the voting and all that. And like, if you're the NCAA, whatever shred of credibility and power you have, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong because you're right. So um, I'm with you. I like my answer, but I agree with you. There you go. Whatever that, was that means. Just in thought right there. I don't know what that meant. All right. Yeah. Next one, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, off to a tough start this year. Especially Rodgers in that off. Well, Brady in the offense, too, against Carolina. That was a tough game for them. Will Tom Brady – actually, here's the take. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers will not make the playoffs this year. Both. Throwing it deep. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what makes the NFL so good. It's like who would have thought that the NFC East would have some of the best teams? Who would have thought that the NFC West would be have the Seahawks winning it right now? Um, so much parity in the league. And we all saw the quarterbacks that have ended up in the AFC, right? This young quarterback talent, 
Um, you got Josh, you got Pat, you got Joe, you got Deshaun coming in, you got Tua playing on a high level, you got Herbert, you got Matt Ryan shifts over to the AFC, right? Regardless of how that's gone so far. I know. But like this offseason, everything was like, damn, look at the Lamar Jackson. I'm forgetting people too, right? Like you look at the quarterback play in the AFC versus the NFC. Well, all of us would have said at the beginning of the season that, oh yeah, the AFC is the tougher side, but you know, you still got Green Bay, you still got Tampa. And by the way, Russell Wilson in the AFC goes from NFC to AFC. Who would have thought that they would be terrible, right? So everyone would have said, well, you still got those couple of teams. I mean, Green Bay just had three straight losses, back-to-back losses of a 10 of a of a or whatever Tampa has had back-to-back losses of being 10-point favorites. Like, what? Some crazy shit going down in the NFC. There's some really good teams playing like dog shit right now. So, yeah, I can absolutely see um Minnesota and uh, Detroit and them kind of all eating themselves alive and then Minnesota winning that division. And then, you know what I mean? They all kind of beat each other and like maybe Chicago sneaks one out. Right. And then on, in Tampa side of things, I think it's the same thing. I I think it's, it's, this is a different discussion, but we're seeing the end of like three icons at once, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. And I'll say the fourth one, the way that Aaron's playing right now. So like, it's pretty crazy that this is happening late in these guys' career right now. But, yeah, I could – it's crazy. I could see – I'm throwing it deep. I could see Green Bay and Tampa missing the playoffs. It's taking everything in my power not to throw this one deep. But I'm checking it down strictly off of – I I see the Bucks making the playoffs over Green Bay. I think the Bucks have a better chance to make the playoffs strictly off their defense. I think Brady in the offense will figure it out at some point. Regardless if it's the offense. But why haven't they yet, though? They scored three points on Carolina. Like so much shit going on. Like, like imagine the stuff that we see, like the stuff we see and we hear in the media. Like, that's probably 10% of it. You know, there's probably so much shit, so much rumbling. I think things are going to settle. And I think Tom is probably going to focus and figure it out. Like he always does. He always figures it out. And the defense is one of the best defenses in the league. Let's not forget how they played the Cowboys week one. They gave up three points to the Cowboys week one. They like maybe had 200 yards that game. The defense is crazy over there. Some of the best defense players in the league. I think they figure it out. And the NFC South is just not great this year. Falcons are playing decent, better than we thought. Saints are not playing good. Panthers are a shit show. Someone's got to win the division. And I think out of all of them, it's going to be the Bucks. So I'm I'm checking it down on that one. Again, I don't disagree with your answer. I just go like, so basically what you're saying is that Tom Brady's not as good without Antonio Brown. All right, so I get that you said that. But <laughs> I, I just go like, well, then why haven't they figured it out? Like, it's just, and the you later you it, get man. in, I'm kidding, it's but the later not- you get in the season, the more guys stop giving a shit. Yeah, like, but you said it. You got to play your best ball late in the year. Those are a bunch of vets over there. They know that. You got to be probably- in contention, though. So, I, I, yeah, I really, what the, this is, is like, is Tampa going to win it or is... Who's going to win that division? Who's going to win that division? Let's be real. Carolina's not. The Saints are not. Atlanta, maybe, probably not. Yeah, Tampa's probably going to win that division. Never mind. But, I mean, yeah. Still they're going to limp in, right? 
So, and then they're going to, they got a bunch of vets on their team. They're going to play good. In the, who cares? As long as they get to the playoffs, that's all my take matters. All right, we're gonna move on. Next one. Aaron Rodgers Again, he was on Pat McAfee show. He said he squatted 425 pounds last week. He said he wish he could have taken five pounds off. So it could have been 420 pounds. Are you throwing it deep or checking it down on that one? I'm throwing it deep. That guy doesn't make up lies. I don't think he's a truth seller, especially in that setting. And you've been around to him. That guy's like fucking like grown man, old man strength. He's grip. He's got big wrists, big ankles, big everything, like huge hands. Like, yeah. So would I have guessed that he could squat 425? No. If he told me he could, do I believe him? Yes. I'm I'm throwing it deep. It's an unbelievable amount of weight for a man that age. It's just dangerous. I'm throwing it deep though too. I believe anything he says. He can tell me anything. All right, next one. The trainer Gunner too. It's trainer out in LA. That guy's, you know, magician. Anyways, go ahead. Ayahuasca together. We got uh, next one. 49ers recently traded for Christian McCaffrey. I was excited about that trade. I was hyped. Weird situation for Christian. Just to talk about the situation real quick. Everyone's probably thinking Christian's super excited to go to, to the 49ers, get out of the shit show of Carolina. He's been injured. It's a fresh start for him. But just from a player's perspective, Christian leaving Carolina, this is a guy who got drafted there, who poured his heart and soul into Carolina. I was there with him for two years. He was the hardest worker that I've ever been around on a football team. Dude cared more than anyone on the team, right? He has two homes in Carolina. Like he breathed Charlotte. So just a little backstory. When you're thinking about a guy getting traded, next time you see a big name get traded to a different city, you know, they're, you're thinking they're all pumped. Everything's roses. Everything's great. There's a lot of shit behind the scenes. Like he left a lot of memories, a lot of family there. He really wanted to make it work there. And so I know it was very bittersweet for him in that moment. So I just wanted to, maybe next time you see a trade, you see a guy like a big name trade go from somewhere or even like a free agent signing somewhere else. There's think about the whole picture. There's a lot that goes into it. So I'm excited for his future. Um, I know he gave everything he had in Carolina. Anyways, back to the take. 49ers. I I have a rule though. I don't know if I've ever told you this. I don't feel bad for millionaires in their twenties. I just have this rule. I can't do it. I can't feel bad for millionaires in their twenties. I'm sorry. It is all relative, but it's hard to show me a millionaire in their twenties and have me go, sorry, but I don't know. You can solve too many problems, but go ahead. That's very, very thoughtful. You can solve all the problems, but Christian, if you're watching this, everyone has everything that Kyle said. I just can't feel bad. Sorry. This guy has no feelings or pity. Anyways, the 49ers, Gave up too many draft picks to get Christian McCaffrey. You throw well, well, let's go through what they gave up. They gave away a two and a three this year and a four and a five next or something like that. Two and three and a four this year, five in 2024. So four picks overall. But as Les Nee would say, fuck them picks, man. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this deep. I'm throwing it deep every single time. I'm just like back in college with Mike Price, just going four verse every play. Um, I'm throwing it deep because if you get the ideal version of Christian McCaffrey. So if you get the healthy dynamic out of the backfield running, uh, you know, like him at his best, right. Who was the best player in the league that year. Right. If you get that, then it's worth every pick. So the question is, do you think you're going to get that or not? So I think they're going to get that. And I think for two reasons, one, because of the way that Christian takes care of himself. Now you could say, well, he's always taken care of himself that way. And he's been hurt. All of the last three years, it's like, 
Okay, but how the second part is how are they going to use him? How are they going to protect him? How are what situations they're going to put him in? So he's always going to take care of his body. You would know that much better than I do. You used to play with him. He's one of your best buddies. Like so, is he going to continue to buy in and put in that work ethic? Yes, he is for sure. Okay. Two though, like. Are they going to run him into the ground and are they going to not give him veteran days off and are they going to do whatever it takes to just get the first down? No. They're going to have him playing the way John Lynch believes that. Kyle, the scheme that they're going to have there, the old line that they have, the ways they're going to use him, I think they're going to monitor touches and impact and all of those things. So I think they're going to get the best version of Christian McCaffrey. And if they get the best version of McCaffrey, I believe that it's worth those picks, so I'm throwing it deep. What about you? So you're throwing it deep saying that... It was worth the picks. It was worth the picks. You mean, yeah, it's worth the picks. So then, sorry. So you're checking it down. They gave away, they gave up too much for him. I'm checking that down. Right. There you go. It's my first check. Yeah, we're on the same page. Checking it down. I think for the exact reasons you said. When I played with Christian in 2019... He took 99% of the snaps that year, and it was probably 99 point something. That is unheard of for a running back. He had 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing, probably an immense amount of touches that have never been seen before. It was the highest fantasy year of all time. He didn't get hurt once. Now, obviously, that has taken a toll on his career, right? After he got his contract, part of the negotiations were, like, this is going to sound crazy, but he said, I need to be pulled back. Like, I need less snaps. Like, this is not doable for an entire career. And so that leads to injury later on. I, When he goes to San Francisco, you have all the weapons around you. You already have a pretty solid running back room. I know Jeff Wilson's been running it well there, and they've consistently had good running backs. They run the ball with Debo. His touches are going to be limited in a good way. He's going to get the touches he needs to. He's going to be able to make plays. He's going to be spaced. The ball's going to be spread around. He's going to have a lot of impact when he gets the ball in his hands. But it's like you said, they're going to take care of him. So I'm checking it down. I think all the picks are worth him. I think he's probably number one, number two, number three, best player that I've played with in my entire career. So and the crazy out. thing about Kyle Shanahan, when everyone says, Oh, his zone running scheme, any running back can be a fit. And this guy would be a great fit for Kyle Shanahan. I, really what you're saying is he designs things to create space for the running back to not have to break tackles and make the first guy miss, right? He creates space. So if you could pick anybody in the league that where if I give you space and I give you the ball, I want you to be my choice. I mean, Christian's in the top couple of choices. And so that guy became available. That's worth a bunch of picks. We used to call plays. We would call like flare, which is basically the running back runs to the right on like a little swing route. And we would have like our sync receiver try and get in the way of the guy covering Christian. And they said, if the guy is more than five yards away from him, don't read anything else. Just throw it to him. It's turning into Oklahoma drill. And he probably made a miss 95% of the time. Okay, that was Throw It Deep or Check It Down. I hope you guys liked that shortening the beginning. I think there's a million topics we can talk about. I can talk for a while. I know Jordan could talk fucking wall down. So we could sit here and talk for hours. I know a lot of you guys come to hear the interviews. We got a really good interview with Will. I'm excited. I think Will is an awesome personality. Um, Before we get into the interview, if you're on YouTube... Subscribe to us. Subscriptions are super important. Um, Subscriber numbers are going up. We're going to do some giveaways, I think, soon. We're going to do something with our subscribers, trying to get you guys involved. Um, Appreciate you if you have subscribed to the show. Follow us on our Instagram, The Room with Kyle and JP. 
Follow Jordan on TikTok. Jordan's posting a bunch of TikTok. I think we got a TikTok account too. Follow us on all pages. Um, let us know what we what we can get better at. Keep throwing the comments. Keep throwing guests that you want to see. Um, but let's get into this interview with Will. Let's do it. Welcome to the room, Will Levis. Everybody. Well, yeah, thanks for joining buddy. us. It is currently eight thirty on a Tuesday evening in where is UK at Lexington? Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Yes, it's in Lexington, Kentucky. You are actually in the quarterback room. Our first quarterback interview where the QB is in the room. So thanks for bringing us into your quarterback room, man. Yeah, I'm in the tight end room. Actually, we don't oh, even nice. have it's 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 ridiculous. We're an SEC school. We don't have a designated quarterback room, but uh, we use the O staff room with the quarterbacks. But I like going to the tight end room for for film. Is all the money just going to NIL? You don't have any any more money to put into quarterback rooms? Yeah. Or, or the tight ends in other positions, I guess. I don't know. I, guess I just wanted to flex that you were in your quarterback room at 8.30 at night, but it's tight end. Yeah. Room. So everyone that was wondering, will Levis watch his tape. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on, dude. Uh, I met you over the summer at a party in LA. That was the winner, bro. That was Super Bowl. That yeah, was Super Bowl? Bowl. Yeah. yeah. That was Super Bowl. RX3, shout out to Nate. Um, Jordan, how long have you known Will for? Uh, we kind of met in person that weekend too, right? We had talked on the phone a little bit, um, Super Bowl weekend, cross paths, hung out, um, actually ended up watching the Super Bowl at my house. Um, oh, yeah, had a bunch of guys there. Yeah. yeah. It was a blast. Kyle, you were there. Josh Allen was there. You invited Logan Thomas Logan randomly Thomas, and boy. Logan was there and seen him since he was in high school, um, and kicked it and threw a little bit together and. So, yeah, it's really just been this offseason and got a chance to go back and watch some tape from before, learn your story, which is an interesting one, as most of them are, and uh, and then watching you on a tear here for your final campaign at Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, it's been great to get to know you and, and watch you kind of um, change this trajectory here and, uh, and start to build towards your professional career and finish off college the way that you want. And uh, it's awesome, man. Yeah, it's been great to get to know you too. And I, you've been able to help me a lot throughout this process and helping me just compartmentalize things. So got to thank you for that. And, uh, but yeah, we've only known each other since, I guess, in person since February, but um, been able to develop a really good relationship. What's your first thoughts when you met Jordan? Did you get a chance to talk at all or did you just talk the whole time? Uh, yeah, he, he was in a conversation and I went up to go introduce myself and he was like, give me like 15 minutes. And then I came back later and no, I'm kidding. But uh, I could see I, it. I, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> no, I, I think we met and just started talking ball immediately and got a got a good feeling pretty uh, right off the bat. I always feel like when you get to know a quarterback, if so, let, like, whatever, whatever role I play, you know, and people's like if I'm talking to a younger quarterback and they want to talk ball, like that says something differently than they want to hear stories about other people who play ball or stories from the past or talk about things that have nothing to do with ball. Like you can have other interests and be great at football. That's fine. But it, it, it's like, I don't know how many times you've been around, around Patrick Mahomes, Kyle, but like the only time I'm ever around Patrick it immediately starts talking about coverages or protections or concepts or schemes. Like, cause that's all like I thinks about, right? Mm -hmm. People think he's in marketing and he does all these things, but the reality is like, no, he kind of thinks about football all day long. And so I just think you got a better chance if what you're thinking about is football the majority of the time. I think it's important to have a social life. I think it's important to have family. I think it's important to do fun stuff and all that. But like when dudes want to talk ball all the time, that usually bodes well for where their interests are and what holds their attention. 
kind of yeah. have to too in that uh pro style offense you got right your guys offense yeah in depth yeah I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to play in an offense and then really two offenses last year and this year that are very comparable to a lot of the systems you see run in the NFL. And um, that's been a, a big part of my developmental process, I think, just taking snap, snaps under center and doing the same footwork and the same actions that you see guys doing every Sunday. I think that's going to help me a lot in the long run in that transition. All right, I'm going to give you a play that I had in college. I'm going to give you my full play call, and then I want to hear of your longest play call from this week, all right? My okay. college play, uh, full concept, protection, and everything, ace, 95. Ooh. That's all I needed to know. It's kind of, kind of, kind of long. Oh, that's going to be wide open, bro. <laughs> it's, it we, was um, wide open every time. <laughs> yeah, we we went through the game plan uh, for Mississippi State, I think. And, we, I mean, we got pretty long play calls. We get, we call a lot of two plays in one, so it's, it's mm-hmm. like you're calling two plays in the huddle, and that's why it takes some, so long sometimes. And I think we counted it out. And I think our longest play was 17 words that week, 17 mm-hmm. words. So um, I don't remember the call, but I mean, like this week, it might be something as simple as like, I write slot 14 split can 14 Wendy. And yep. that's when we're looking for something, whether it's a shade or a strong side rotation uh, to run either type of run concept, but it's not too bad. It's not like I have to remember it. I'm reading it off of a wristband. Yeah. As long as I'm just articulating it and being fast enough in the huddle, uh, it's it's usually not an issue. That's a good thing to get out of the way right now because even since I've been in the league, I haven't had really that many checks, especially run checks until this year. Our offense this year is like kind of old Stanford-ish offense, Andrew Luck Colts yeah. offense. And we got like, we went through our run game list for this week and we got like 16 different run kills for different things. And that took me like a good couple months to get used to because I'm used to calling run plays and it being oh, just like a play off for me. You know, you get to take a breath, take a step back, especially if it wasn't a zone read play. So I think yep. that's going to help you out a lot. Um, what we like to do on the show, we like to do a little segment called teach tape. We're going to bring up some of your film, take us through a couple of your, your best throws this year, but a little more in depth than just showing the highlights, showing the throw. We want to get your thoughts on just kind of your pre-snap routine, your pre-snap thoughts on what you're looking at, different safeties, Whenever I go into a new quarterback room, I always think it's super interesting to talk through everyone's pre-snap routine. Everyone's different. It affects how you play so much. Are you looking at the boundary safety? Are you looking at rotation? Who's the nickel? Like, what's the key this week? Are the corners playing this? So we got a couple plays from you. Uh, This one's against Northern Illinois. Just take us through what you were thinking on this play. This was um, a sluggo that we had drawn up all week. We wanted to – if we had one-on-one with our guy Dane out here, and a couple in cuts we ran with him. We thought uh, as long as we just stay away from the safety and I can hold him off my eyes, then uh, we just have a one-on-one ball. And uh, this is one where I got I just got something in my front side and had to move. Uh, I think critiquing myself a little on this play, I think I overmoved a little bit, which is something that I've uh, been trying to get better at and just feel in space and not moving yourself into more trouble. And you see me sliding and the add-on guy here um, almost makes a play on me. But or the the blitz who's that the, yeah the blitz are from the boundary yeah, uh, almost, almost makes a play on me and uh, was able to get the sluggo out and it was an incompletion but looking back one of the better throws I've ever made just with where my body was moving and and, and where the ball had to be and uh, making sure that safety wasn't going to be able to get over the top and make a play on it I was pretty much all in on the on the sluggo and uh, it ended up popping and uh, didn't didn't finish the play but. Still a cool throw to look back on in hindsight. Jordan, QB coach, 
this is something we worked on a lot over the past four years, moving from platform. When I say from platform, moving from your stationary plot in the pocket, being able to get back off platform, back on platform, making the throw across the field. Like that's an impressive ass throw, dude. Super impressive. And um, one, one thing that, you know, during the draft process with guys, we talk about this also gets echoed when you get a rookie who goes to a team and they has an older veteran in the room who's played a lot of ball. A lot of times they'll give them this advice that one of the difference between colleges and college and pro ball is in college, in high school, even like you become a five star and you get, you know, all the accolades and all that stuff based off of like the highlight plays, right? You, like how good is that high school player? You watch his highlight tape, right? Yeah. And you see him make crazy plays in college. It's highlights. And then it's also like, the game tape, are they distributing the ball? Are they taking what they give them? Are they forcing it? Are they just sticking with number one? Are they going through their progressions, right? And then in the NFL, it really comes down to just the execution of each play. Nobody really cares about stats or highlights, right? Yep. And so when you translate from college to pro, in college, you move more distance. Like you can run around and buy time and do that. In the league, it's shorter distances quicker, yep. right? That's why we do so much like conflict or like climb, kickback, subtle movements, because of what you said, right? You, that, yep. that blitzer almost got you. Um, but what I what I love, and one of the things I love most about your game is, like, to take a really great athlete, or you know, arguably world class athlete, and who moves more than he needs to, which is what you said you did. Like, it's way easier to 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 water that down and make it more yeah, simple and efficient. Than it is to take a guy who's not very athletic and get him to move somewhere else. Quick. It's way easier to do that. And uh, and I think uh, you're one of the more athletic guys I've been around, particularly for how big you are. You are not athletic because you're little. You're athletic because you're athletic. So um, I think that's that's an evolution of people's game. And the only way you're going to learn people learn to do that is by that blitzer actually getting to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I see this all the time. Some of the best players in Sundays they climb in the pocket. There's no reason to climb. And now they're short arming it because the guard got walked back into them. And really, they could have just hitched. So um, that's just one of those pieces of the game that evolves. But if the foundation is what you have, which is explosive, dynamic, run, stop, start, change direction, cover ground, man, it's a lot easier to get really good at that. No doubt. Have you ever struggled with pocket movement? Just like small, in pocket trying to find lanes to throw still on time. I remember when I went from high school to college, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to learn because you just can't simulate a rush in practice. It's so hard exactly. to simulate an actual rush in practice. Like what's your um, what's your experiences with trying to get better inside the pocket? Yeah, you said it. it, it you need game reps to really get comfortable with that. And you can do all the drills you want, all the stuff in practice you want. You're never going to get as realistic as you you will in the game where you're actually getting hit and you have the, the risk of that happening. And uh, it was something that I really wasn't great at when I first started last year. And I think last year I would maybe go one, two and, and take off, whether it was up the middle or it was out of the pocket. Whereas this year I have more trust in myself and a better feel where I'm able to take those small movements in the pocket and get to my third, fourth progression more confidently. And uh, I can still get better at it, obviously, as we just saw. And, um, but yeah, it's uh it's a feel thing and it only comes with experience. I feel like. Yeah. You got to have experience. I'm sure your coach, since you're in a pro style offense, I'm sure your coaches hammered this point home. I know ours do. And every coach I've had in the league has is when you're in that pro style offense, you run a bunch of play action, you're on a bunch of under center stuff. The check downs are your friends. 
they're no doubt. some of the best throws on the field. I remember I had North no. Turner, and he said the drags and the running backs are always open. Throw them the fucking ball. Every time I was yeah. trying to fit a dig in, and the drag was running scot-free open, and it took me a while, but it's good that you're getting that experience right now, man. Yeah, I mean, like, we talk about just with, like, four verts, like a play that's in every offense since you start playing football. I heard it for the first time uh, from our coach this year. He said, realistically, especially in the NFL, when we call four verts or four verts with outcasts on the outside or any kind of variation, the ball's going to the back half the time. Yep. And the sooner you start realizing that, the more you're going to be able to recognize it earlier and to get it to him to, to run for 10 yards. Um, but you can't be greedy and shot call doesn't mean shot taken. And mm-hmm. understanding when the situations are to just check it down. And that's another thing I feel like I've improved on this year. And the more they're going to call those plays too, right? Yeah. The more they'll yeah. Call them. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I played in Cincinnati with Ryan Fitzpatrick early in both of our careers. And, uh, and we were, we would do on, on Fridays during the season for seven on seven, we would do make it, take it. So if you complete the ball, you stay in. It wasn't like number one gets all the reps and then number two gets two. And then the three does it was just make it, take it seven on seven on Fridays. Nice. You could only have two checkdowns though. <laughs> and you. so after the second <laughs> checkdown, you check down a third time you're out. Right. So we do make it, take it. And I was on a run. I was sitting on a heater and um, I get quarters four verts and I throw it to a guy who's not a great vertical threat, but the corner, I, I thought the corner sucked. And so shout out Morgan Trent. And so uh, I, I go and I throw it and it's incomplete and I'm all pissed off and Fitzy comes up to me and Kyle played with Fitzy too. Fitzy comes up, he makes fun of me. I don't remember what he said about the joke, making fun of me. And then he's like, Hey, but for real though, he goes, I get quarters versus four verts. Unless I love the matchup, I'm going to pump fake as many times as I yep. can until somebody's about to hit me and I'm throwing it to the running back late. And he's like, every single time for the rest of my life, I'm going to do that. Every time. <laughs> like, forget coverage, forget the look and the angles and the leverage, all the stuff we study. He's like, nah, I'm pump faking three or four times and checking it down. Because really, the best matchup on the field, unless you've got a real dude outside, is the running back on any yeah. linebacker. What's your take on pump fakes? Like, I feel like I've never been in a four vert situation where I'm going to pump fake to open up the back. He's just Huge. thinking like it's quarters. Just yeah. get the linebackers to get more depth and more width. Yeah. So no that I just have the running back on the mic, not between the mic and the Sam or with the mic and the Sam kind of in the same area. Just like get them wider and get them deeper and all that. And then the last second, check it down. Yeah. And now that guy, if he makes one guy miss, he's running on safeties. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I, I, I manipulate players like I use shoulder turns and eyes but like I, I I one of the coaching points that I've stuck with me throughout my college career is try to and to keep two hands on the ball as much as you can and to really yep. only use pump fakes when they're designed within the play call but you've seen guys like make their living off of that stuff whether it's Big Ben or like you said Fitzy obviously you did it a lot um it's an interesting kind of part of the game that I haven't really decided how much I want to implement into into my game I think you said it. I think eyes and shoulders work just as good as anything. The only time yeah. I'm pump faking anything and another North Turner shout out to this is whenever we got cover two, still on four verts here. Whenever we got cover two in the NFL, he said, pump inside, throw out the guy. Yeah. Everything he's going to be shot. open. He's going to be open. So yeah. that was the only time I'm like actually pumping though. And it's literally like he said, don't throw like a whole shot. Throw it as far as you can down the field to do a track it down. And I didn't trust him for like eight games. And finally I did. And it worked. But especially like shoulders, I'm like big proponent of using your shoulders, like on like hook dig concepts, 
slant flat concepts, anywhere you're trying to put like a hook defender or flat defender in a bind, the mm-hmm. just like even like the subtle like twitch like that, you know, or even just like looking here quick eyes, I think it makes a yeah. world of difference. No doubt. Um, next segment we got for you. It's called Run the Account. Oh, you're obviously huge on social media. Well, not huge. You're pretty big on social media, I'd say. You're you're climbing. Uh, you, you active, active is the word. He's active. Very active. Yep. Well, I'm active and I'm not, not very good on social media. So I would say he's pretty good. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you some names of different accounts that you would run as a social media manager. So and you're like you, head of social for this person. Okay. Yeah. Head of social. You already got all the ideas in your head. I know you got all the ideas in your head. I want you to be quick with it though. We're going to say this name and I want you to give us your first idea of what you would post on this person's page. All right. Well, all right. I'm just going to say, I wanted to, I would be able to look at their page and see what they're missing and all that. But no, you know, these people, it's okay. You okay. know, them. All, right. all right. First one's going to be easy. Okay. Next one, your teammate, O lineman, Kenneth Horsey. What are you posting Oof. for him? So he had, um, he has a really interesting backstory. He had open heart surgery. Um, I don't know exactly how long ago, but um, it's something that's obviously been a big factor of his, his kind of uh, his career and his journey. And um, he's, he's done a couple of things relating to it. Just either giving back to the American heart association, blah, blah, blah. I think something kind of uh, in that area and just kind of buying into that and how important that is to him and his life would be some cool content to, to promote. That's incredible. Do you know what actually happened to him? I don't. I don't. Open heart surgery. That's so gnarly. I remember I played with Greg Olson as his son just recently had to have a heart transplant, full-on heart transplant in Charlotte. Wow. Did you know that, Jordan? Uh-uh. Super gnarly, but he's all good now. So that's cool. Yeah. It's good to know about Yeah, Kenneth. I don't know if it's something I don't know if it's not something that Kenneth like loves talking about. So like maybe maybe it's not the thing for him, but I think uh, it's an interesting part of him that uh, people would would like to see, I think. It's awesome part of his story. That's that's incredible. All right, your former teammate at Penn State, Sean Clifford. What are we posting for him? Ooh, Sean's already really good on social. He, I mean, obviously he's running his own business and he's promoting it that way. Um, and he's he has accounts with those businesses as well as his personal. But for his personal accounts, um, you got to show more love to his girlfriend on there. I don't come see on. Accounts. I don't see Blame him, him on there too much. He's got to he's got to show some love if if uh, if that's real. You know? Let's so go. That's what I want to share with you there. You want to hear a quick funny <laughs> story? Quick funny story. So when I was a rookie in Carolina, um, oh, this is so good. Cam Newton obviously was there. Greg Olson was there. I walk out to practice one morning. It's like my fifth day of practice. I was undrafted. Rookie. My signing bonus was three thousand dollars. I basically meant absolutely nothing to the team. I walk out to stretch. Greg Olson comes up to me, or in front of the whole team, really, in stretch, and he goes, he goes. Kyle, I was on your Instagram last night and I just got caught in this deep scroll. I went like a hundred pictures deep. It was like every single fucking picture is with your girlfriend. Every single one. And it's just roasting me in front of the whole team. And I was like, I was like, this is a moment for me. Like, I just got to own it. And so I just fully own it. I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like I fucking love her. Like that's my girl. You know, I just it. Big girlfriend. And then uh, Cam Newton always has a nickname for everyone. So my nickname was lovey dovey from then on. And like nice. LD, LD, nice. like anytime the team posted me, it was lovey dovey. It wasn't Kyle. So, so then Kyle ends up like starting like eight or nine games that year and goes off. He's like six and oh, and it becomes this like story that year. And Carolina's social media account, it would be like a heart and the dove emoji. 
so yeah, good. Yeah, whatever. That's awesome. Good. Like the social media account got wind of it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a pretty All good right, nickname. Honestly, I've never heard it. It is a good nickname. I was. I've had bad, a lot of bad nicknames. Well, I actually really haven't had many nicknames. I have the whitest name ever, Kyle James Allen. So you can't really do anything with that. All right. Shout out to Sean. Sorry. Sorry for the the roast there, Sean. So speaking of this, um, so I did uh, I did my nickname bracket on social media uh, like a month or two ago. I had like the all-time QB nickname brackets. I remember. And yep. There was some beef. I think you had some beef Ooh. with my answers. Well, I was, I mean, it's, I wanted to give you the floor. Yeah. I don't know. Jake, Jake put this in our, in, in our deal for us to talk to. I actually don't even know what this is. Oh, you didn't even see the comments, but I, uh, I mean, it's, it's biased, but I think that, uh, Jared Lorenzen rest in peace, the Pillsbury throw boy. I think when I heard that for the oh. first time, I thought it was one of the most unique and just spot on nicknames like i'd ever heard obviously hefty lefty that was probably his more prominent nickname but whoever came up with that is extremely extremely intelligent and very thoughtful uh, it was it was <laughs> i mean it's i got i had to say that because of kentucky but uh it is a it's an awesome nickname what's funny about this is what was the nickname that we ran with was it hefty lefty you did i think you did hefty lefty but then when you were talking about it you also said pillsbury throw boy so like you threw it in there but yeah. Here's the irony in this. I actually think neither of those were the best nickname that he had. Yeah, I actually sure. think that J Load was mm. the best. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> this is peak Jennifer good. Lopez type, right? In a million J-Lode. movies, all this up. J Load. J Load. I was awesome. like, "That's the best one." <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, dude, talk about super unique, man. To to be built that way and play at that level. I do play in the league for a while, man. He won a Super Bowl as a backup with the Giants. Dude, the backup. We watch random highlights. This is a Pep Hamilton thing, but we watch like in our indoor, pre-practice indoor, there's a big screen and he puts up like old quarterback highlights to try and hype us up for practice. And they put on the Eli Manning Super Bowl and Jerry Lorenzo was the backup quarterback. Oh, Super Bowl champion. All right. Get into a little bit more serious. Um, You started at Penn State. You were Sean Clifford there seemed like just from what I've read up on that it's kind of apparent that he was going to be the guy there. And so you transferred to Kentucky. Um, you, you, I don't know if you've been active about this in the media. It's in our notes here that you said that there wasn't as many schools. Once you left Penn state, you thought it was going to be a little hotter on the recruiting trail. It wasn't exactly what you thought it was. That's pretty similar to what my experience was. I was number one recruit, went to A&M two years, played a good amount of ball there, thought there was going to be a lot more once I transferred. And then once I hit the the market, it's obviously a lot different now with the transfer portal, but once I hit the market, there was like two realistic schools. It kind of put me in a weird spot. What was your mindset going through all that? I know it's, it's probably really humbling to leave thinking you're that guy and then kind of not have that many options. Obviously landed a great spot. Yeah, no, I, I, I got lucky. There's a lot of guys that don't get as lucky as I did. A lot of guys are going into the portal with that same mindset, with that same kind of uh, expectation of of having all these options. And it's crazy to see all the guys that either go to one of those lower level schools that they could no longer they would never see themselves at, or straight up not even find a place. Like it's insane. I saw a stat something like thirty at least percent of the guys who enter the portal don't even end up finding a, a home. Which I thought is it was crazy like 50 or something like that. It's like so yeah, hot. even more. I was going, I was going conservative. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of it was 
just I was betting on myself at that point. I, I the situation was unfortunate, and I, I thought that transferring would give me the best opportunity to do what I thought I needed to do to to get to where I wanted to be, which is to play at the next level. And so uh, when I entered the portal, I heard from a few schools and uh, and not much else. And luckily, Kentucky was one of those schools. And right, it, that was one of the first schools. And I was very relieved because I realized that there might there pretty there's a good good chance that there would not be a better option than that. And looking yeah. back, I don't think there was any place in the country that could have been a better option than me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like a high level recruit for one coming out of high school. I didn't have a lot of game film on myself at Penn state. And when it was, it was a lot of me running the ball. There was not a lot of uh, tape on me throwing the ball and dropping back and showing what I could do as a passer. So that was another obstacle I had to overcome. And uh, I, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to the coaching staffs to, to, see and, and make those opinions on capability of, of the quarterbacks and, and staff here saw that in me and I'm lucky that they, they believed in me. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much out of your control in those scenarios. You feel like when you're getting recruited out of high school, you, you can control most of it. You feel like you're kind of being courted. You get to choose where you want to go. And then just it's, I remember for me, the biggest thing, it was just extremely humbling of the situation I was in and where I needed to get to to be where I wanted to be. I'm sure you felt a very yep. similar way. It kind of feels like you're starting over, and the end goal for you right now is to make it to the NFL and play well in the NFL, right? My end goal was make it to the NFL, play well in the NFL, and then when I transferred to Houston, that goal just seemed so far out of reach, and it seemed like there was going to be so much work that needed to be put in, and it just seemed it just seemed a long ways away. How did it feel for you? I think that I, I knew I had what it took physically, to make it to the next level. And um, I had confidence in myself that when I, when I got the opportunity to show that what I could do is as a starting quarterback, that I'd be able to, to perform well and, and, and make it happen. But obviously I, I was looking to improve and I knew I had a lot of things to improve on if I wanted to even be the starter here. Um, yeah. I mean, that first off season here was the most difficult and most fun off season I've ever had just because for one, I'm learning a hundred plus new names and faces. Yeah. Um, Two, I'm learning a new offense new, with a new staff and new players. And three, I mean, I got to show these guys on the team and on the staff that, like, I'm the guy to, to make it happen and that I'm a, show my leadership. Um, and when I got the opportunity and when I was named starter, um, I feel like just once I got those games under, under my belt to where I felt comfortable and where I had uh, the confidence that I needed, uh, I started playing a lot better and then – after watching the game film last year, uh, I, I realized that I was in a really good spot to, to make it happen. Yeah, there's a lot that That's goes awesome. behind the scenes. You know, just like you said, meeting 100 new people, learning 100 new faces, like building those relationships in the locker room. Like you probably build great relationships at Penn State. And it's yeah. tough to leave all those guys that you've poured your heart out to. And then you go to another school and you got to open up and meet all these new people and create these relationships, especially when you're the quarterback. You got to know everybody in the building. You got to be close with everybody, and that takes a lot more effort than I think people realize. Yeah, I don't want to make this conversation about the NFL because this is you're right in the smack dab and monster season and all that stuff. But I do think that players that have to transfer, it, I think I just think it helps you in the NFL. You had to go and reset and start over and build, like you said, get to know the hundred people. I'm thinking about like you know Kyle's story. I'm thinking about Joe's story. I'm thinking about Josh having to go bounce around and all that. Like, there's a lot of different people that have had to do this. But like you got to go, even Justin Fields, like you got to go 
and start over, learn all the new stuff, develop the culture, find, understand what the culture is, figure out how you can affect it to make it better than it is, right? Um, and add to it. I just think it's a value add. It's just like a kid who moves around a lot growing up. They're usually pretty good at talking to people. They're usually pretty good at building relationships and getting to develop friendships because they kind of had to. They didn't have their childhood friends all the way through high school. So I think it's a value add. I think it's impressive when guys can have success at two places or not have success the first place and have success the second place. Um, so I, I think it's impressive. I think it's a value add. Um, and it's hard when you go through it. I also feel like any reps you can get at experience at a young age is going to help you when it hits you later. Cause the only thing I can guarantee you will love us, no matter how well your career goes for the next, however many years you play is that adversity is coming for sure. And I just think it just prepares you for it better. So I think it's a value add. Um, I think it's impressive when guys can go to a second place and either sustain the success that they had at the first place or level up. So we've seen it a bunch before where guys have had to do that. So, mm -hmm. um, well, let's get into take the sack. All right. It's a new little segment here. You want to fire it off, Kyle? Yeah, new segment. First time we've done this. So let us know if you like it or not. I think you're going to like it. Um, and also so, let us know if we should be posting different things on our social media too. So we, we could have put our hands on there too. How did yeah, we miss on that? Us. I thought Jake. your first question was going to be Jordan. I thought I was going to, you were going to ask me. Well, how Jordan has so many TikTok followers, so he doesn't need your help on that. Like he's yeah. a TikTok sensation. It's really sort of a big deal. Really great for all the 13 and 4 year olds. It's boring, but it's part of my life. <laughs> oh, smells of rich mahogany. All right, back to take the sack here. So you got sacked by Chase Young uh, your freshman year at Penn State. How'd that feel, first of all? Not great. Yeah, yeah. not great. That was my first real action in a, in a kind of big-time college football game. And um, he, got me, he got me pretty good. Got you um, good? Yeah. Yeah. I was his teammate. I watched it in uh, scout team quarterback right here they don't care about the quarterback on the scout team in washington so i was getting fucked up every day i practiced by him so i feel your pain a little bit there but this is kind of what the game is based around you remember that feeling of getting sacked you remember feeling of getting smoked like when you got the safety this year and popped your finger out and you're just looking at it dangling up in there show us your finger real quick is it is it doing good it's it's fat for sure good lord but, that, um, sorry i'm off. just flipping you guys off yeah. there's a screenshot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's my Not next bad. post and thumbnail. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, it's kind of like a would you rather game. So we're going to give you a scenario and you're going to either pick that one or you're going to take the sack. All right. So cool. first one, would you rather take the sack or keep answering questions about mayo and your coffee and eating bananas unpeeled? Take the sack for yeah. sure. I'm uh that's, that is uh it's behind me. It was fun while it lasted. But uh, I think it's a little played out at this point. We'll and I think that I'm, I need to get ready for that to start being asked again in my near future, I think. But for now, I'm, I'm good on that. That's good. Do you have new creamer in your coffee now? I switch it up. We have a nice little um, Keurig in the, in the coach's lounge here. And mm -hmm. um, I sneak in there. They have all the different little... Uh, what are they called? Coffee mate, like creamers. Yeah, and cups, yeah. I, I had a little, it was, it was a nice fall afternoon today. So I had a, I had a pumpkin vanilla one. It was, it was, it was really good. Pumpkin spice latte season. Hey, so let's, I don't want to deviate away from our game here, but I was thinking about that. Like how annoying that is to talk. I said something back in the day and everyone asked me about it. Like you're in a, not NIL cause you'll be a pro, but Hey, the veteran marketing move is sign a deal with a coffee creamer or sign a deal with somebody 
And I'm every smart. time somebody asks you about that, you go, yeah, that was something I used to do. But now I drink super coffee, which is great because it's nine grams of protein. It's got probiotics and boom, 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 boom. And then every single time you have to answer that question, that's a plug. That's a deliverable checked marketing yeah, 101. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring it up. They asked me. There you go. All right. Would you rather take the sack or you got to meet Kentucky basketball player Oscar Shibwe at the rim? And he's he's not even dribbling. Okay. He's just going to get a running start. He's going to – whether he's off two or one. He's going to do it. And everybody's watching this and this is going to end up on social media. You'd rather take the sack or you're going up to try and get him at the rim. I'm taking the sack because it's probably the same force and at least I'm wearing pads. But – I'm not taking a knee to the chest with a bunch of people watching. That would be humiliating. And I love Oscar, but I wouldn't let him uh, wouldn't let him do that to me. Just take charge. You just take charge. Yeah. Yeah. Are the refs yeah. are the refs out there? They're- it just bridges ass. Just duck. <laughs> I'm a trainer. I'm a jump. I'm a jump for sure. I like right. it. Next one. Would you rather take the sack or finish eight and four this year? Take the sack. Take the sack. I'm a uh, Guess I'm taking taking a lot of sacks, but I mean, it's we have higher aspirations for ourselves, and we know we have a, we have a, we have a really good team, and still a chance to do incredible things as a team. And we we see every game on the rest of our schedule as as, as a potential win. And um, eight and four would not be up to the standard of our team. Some quarterbacks like a clean pocket. Some quarterbacks like contact. Some quarterbacks like the weight room. You are, I think, you actually the last two. You I like, like contact. All- I like all of them. I think. I mean, yeah. obviously is is ideal, but I mean, I'm also one of those guys that I feel like I got to get hit before things get get going in a game. First drive, set your pads. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you definitely like the weight room. So, would you rather take the sack or you got to give up hang cleans forever? <sighs> oh, this one hits deep. I'm gonna I'm gonna give up hang cleans forever because at least I'll still have power cleans. Ooh, oh. all right. A variation. Yeah. Which one do you like better? Hang cleans or power cleans? Uh, power cleans. Just so I can get a little more weight on it. But um nice, dude. I love I love cleaning. I think that that's one thing that I one of the biggest things that I took from my high school to my college. We had a really intense lifting program in high school. Like we're expected to be in the weight room five days a week in the off season and there's a checklist and everything. And we did a lot of power cleans, a lot of your your basic kind of Olympic lifts. And I got started on that early and got obsessed with it. And I think it's an awesome lift that translates. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun lift. Dude, I was the same way. I loved Olympic lifts. Kirk Davis, my college strength coach. I loved it, man. I was, I, I don't know. I, that was my thing. I loved uh, all the Olympic lifts. I didn't snatch, but I loved everything else. Yeah, yeah, tell about the, the bulge on the stomach and all your jersey pictures that you just loved Olympic lifts. Never You're that. talking about bulges in stomachs? <laughs> show is that what you're picture. talking about? Show me a picture. Find one. <laughs> I'll show you 60% of the Kyle Allen folder in my iCloud. Yeah, right. What are you I'm talking about? Game about? day pictures, bro. So I'm locked I, in bro. on game day. I'm tight. <laughs> bro, All I right. was a Pilates uh, expert. I had veins in my stomach. Uh, the, it's not anymore. They weren't showing through. Um, what's your max on that before we move on? Hank Leans? Uh 345 was the last mm. max we hit. Okay. Mm. So, I thought I beat you, but I didn't. My max. Nope. I have a, there was no when shot. I was at, you beat him. When I was at UH, uh, they made me lift. I redshirted. They made me lift with the middle linebackers all year. And when I came out, I looked like a fullback and I couldn't throw the ball to save my fucking life. But I was hand cleaning <laughs> three fifteen. Uh, That's all. Like, I'm not I'm not close though. All right, last one. 
Would you rather take the sack or tell us where you think you're going to get drafted next year? I'm going to take the sack. Not going to get into that. Not going to get into that. Not going to get into that. One, I don't know. because How how are you going to know before the season even ends? And two, I don't really know how these teams feel about me. So what's your, what would be your favorite, not team? What would be your favorite city to go to? Um, I was thinking probably Tampa just Mm. with being Florida, good weather. Um, good. That's a good answer. Good, uh, good conditions at in all your conference games. Um, no state income tax. That's always a plus. Great. Uh, it's, I got family in Tampa, so that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Tampa's great. We played when I was in Carolina, we played in Tampa like November 18th and it'd been 50 degrees, 40 degrees raining. You get down to Tampa, it's like 90 degrees and humid as shit. And our whole team fell out. We lost the game just because no one could handle the conditions. Yeah. Wow. Um, let's get in the last section here. So, um, this is called the two minute drill. Um, so we're going to throw it to you. We're going to put a timer on the screen. You got two minutes. We're going to hit mute. This is your journey, dude. You start it wherever you want to start it. And just tell us the Will Levis journey um, from wherever you want it to start. and start in middle school, high school, whatever. Family, life, interests, whatever the things are. Um, the highs and the lows, right? Like this is everybody's career. You know what I mean? Like it's highs and lows. It's highs and lows. Whether the fans know about the lows or, you know, the highs were actually that high. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just however you, you know, young, young people watch this show, other people watch this show, a way to just summarize yourself this is our favorite part of the show. Cause this is where you can really learn about folks, but, um, we'll throw it to you for two minute drill. So I would probably just use this time to talk about like my personal mantra. And I feel like what has carried me throughout my life and has given me the strength to go out and do the things that I've done, which is never give up. And it goes back to my grandfather, my mom's dad, who built the house that I grew up in and, and lived next door to me my whole life. Uh, every single conversation I ever had with him growing up, he would always end it with, and will remember, never give up, never give up, never give up, never give up. That's all ended every single conversation with it. And it was always after a long life lesson. And when I was younger, I wasn't paying too much attention to it. I was just trying to get rid of, get over with the conversation and get on to the next thing I was doing. But when I was older, I got to realize how true those words are and how much I could learn from all the stories he had to tell me. So when I got mature enough to realize that, I, I bought into that uh, that idea of never giving up and being the best that I could possibly be in everything that I could do, being a multifaceted individual, being diverse, um, not just caring about football or, or what's easy to care about, uh, caring about all the little things too. And um, it got me through that really tough time at Penn State. I think that it was, it was, it was a dichotomy for me because I felt like on one hand, I was giving up and I was transferring. But on the other hand, I was not giving up and I was focusing on my dream and doing what I thought was best for me and 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 going in that path. And that's where I got my mind to shift on and, and realize that I wasn't going against my mantra. I was not giving up and continuing to bet on myself and and keep this journey going for myself. And it's the the tattoo I actually have um, on my right inside bicep is a is a verse that was close with me and my grandfather. Um it's the second book of Chronicles, chapter 15, verse seven, which reads, but as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. And that's one thing that I physically on my body to always kind of bring me back to base. And that's one kind of mantra, one thing to keep in your mind that I think all people of all ages can keep with themselves to get them through whatever life brings their way. 
And this is officially the best two minute drill we've ever had. Fired me the fuck up. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. That's awesome. That was well, right on the time, too. The last Yeah, it was perfect. The timing. Well, when we do this, there's going to be a little football going across. It's going to cross that goal line with no time left. That's a walk off game winner. Right oh, there. Jake, oh, yeah. you weren't recording? Fuck. All right. Okay, let's do it again real quick. <laughs> No, real talk, dude. That's awesome. And I mean, me and Jordan were both involved with Nigu. Never ever give up. It's a. I, got uh, it I literally had it on. I bought this Apple Watch two days ago, and I took it off my left wrist. I had it. Oh, for okay. Like three months. Sure. Yeah. I got you. You got to put it back on because we have a run. This Nigu bracelet's been on Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Like seven times or something like that. Like I saw something. It was been on like the cover of Madden a few times or something. Well, Mahomes wore it, and he picked this picture on the cover of Madden. And it's got the brace. So he's on the cover of Madden too. Yeah. But like you might have yourself a moment here, whether it's this season or this April where you're on the cover, we need that thing back on your wrist. But dude, that, but for real though, that, that's amazing. Um, I do I think uh, like my favorite part of that is I feel like so many young people, we all thought our parents were annoying when we were teenagers. I get it. That's fine. It's a phase you go through it, right? Or your grandparents, like you said in the beginning, like I'm kind of waiting for my grandpa to stop talking so I can go play Nintendo or whatever. But like, I just I think a lot of young people don't respect their elders and don't have a connection to who their grandfather was. They go, yeah, my grandfather, he was in like Vietnam or something like that. But like, hold on, do you know what Vietnam was? Like, do you know what he actually did? Do you know what that what kind of shit he saw and what he did and why our country is the way that it is? Like, so I think that's amazing that connecting back to the family and the fact that um, I mean, that's like I see things and I go, ooh, dad goals, right? Like that's grandpa goals right there that you affected your grandson and he ends up having the life that you've created for yourself right now. And it's because of what he did and your grandma did. I I love it, man. That's amazing. Powerful shit. Yeah. It's crazy. I got the, I got the tattoo my true freshman summer, right when I got to Penn state, he passed away on the day, two years later that I got the tattoo. Man. So crazy how how life works. And it also, I mean, obviously not with me anymore, more of a reason to connect with your elders and connect with the people you love because you never know. And you're not going to see him again. Someone's going to watch that and they needed to watch it. Yep. That's kind of how I feel. So thank you for sharing that with us, dude. I appreciate it. It's amazing. Um, well, dude, thanks for joining us in the room. Uh, we're big fans. We're going to spend a lot of time this off season together. Kyle, I don't even know this, but Kyle lives like five minutes from me and like yeah. eight minutes from the office. So this is not goodbye forever. This is goodbye till a little while later. Um, but uh, dude, thanks for <laughs> doesn't mean Kyle won't miss you. but uh dude thanks for coming by the room this is awesome big game uh one of the things we love about this show is we didn't talk about the tennessee game for 45 minutes you're going to talk about everybody else with that but best of luck man you got a opportunity for some moments and um and to get a big win that your team needs and and uh fired up to watch that thing go down this saturday yes sir fired up to play thanks Thanks for taking time bro get back on that third down tape dude come on no i'm going to bed Uh, (laughs) all right thanks bro well that was about what we had expected, right? I mean, super engaging, super impressive, dude. You can see kind of why, you know, the media always is saying positive things about Will Levis and all the people out of Kentucky. And then I'm hearing in the draft and the agents and the scouting world, everyone kind of say, um, super thoughtful, purposeful guy. You can tell raised the right way, great family, all that stuff. But also, you know, humble and appreciative for the situation that he's in, the situation he's heading into and uh, and where he comes from. You you liked him when we met, but after interviewing him and talking to him like this, um, that, that grow a little bit. I mean, that, yeah, that was the most I'd talked to him. I think when I met him, we were 
at some random party in LA and then we were at your house at the Super Bowl and I was just trying to be not hung over at that point. So I wasn't really talking to anybody. I was looking at your pool and trying to swat your kids off of me and drink a freaking water. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, after knowing him for a little and then seeing his Instagram and seeing what he posts and you think he's just kind of like all fun and games and just like funny guy and all his teammates love him. But the dude's dialed, man. Like we were talking to him. He was in Tuesday night watching tape on third downs, breaking down. It's 8.30 at night. It was 8.30 there when he was talking to us. I mean, I'm just – I'm excited to see the rest of the season goes. I know these big games, like, against a big team like this, Tennessee can really – can do one or the other, right? It can really put you on the map or, you know, like when I played Alabama, I threw three pick sixes. It kind of, like, tailed off from there, you know. It can kind of do one or the other. So, cool to see how he plays the rest of the year, how he handles it, and then um, see him this offseason at some point. Yeah, buddy. Uh, lastly, man, uh, let's get into what we're grateful for, man. You start us off. What are you grateful for? Grateful for modern technology. I did, uh, my blood work recently. I was talking about you this off air, but I got my blood work done and I realized there's a lot of shit wrong with me. I'm just body is not dialed. Speaking of being dialed, my body is not dialed. So make a lot of changes to everything going on in my body. Feeling a lot better already. I don't want to bore you with the the stuff, but I'm excited about modern technology. And I know you got a lot of stuff in the health and wellness area of modern technology. You wear the glucose monitor on your arm. I think that'll be something to get into too, but feel a lot better already. What about you? Uh, I'm actually uh, grateful for the same thing. Um, We've got an amazing doctor. We take a holistic approach to our life as you and your fiance do as well. And um, when I when people ask me about what are you eating or what, what are those pills that you're taking out of that little thing that you may, you know, that you have, um, I just feel like I got a lot more answers than everyone else has. Right. I take this because everyone told me to take this versus like, I take this cause this is what my body needs. So I actually have the same one, man. I'm, I'm really grateful for, um, really my wife who kind of expanded my, like even just questioning everything and just being open to learning more and alternative forms of medicine, all that kind of stuff. Um, because I just have more information on what my body needs and I'm able to just put that in there and, uh, it totally affects the way that you feel. So, uh, it's also kind of scary when you think about all the stuff that is out there that we put in our bodies. Um, uh, it's not necessarily what our body needs. So I'm actually grateful for the same thing. And, uh, yes. and there you go. And you got it all from summer and I got it all from Dottie. So there you go. The source yeah, we of it take is zero usually, credit for it. yeah, usually the woman in your life. So. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we got some great guests coming up, some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, some of the best quarterbacks in college. And we try and do this around the biggest games. And as you get into November and then December and then January, it's only big games. Uh, we've got a lot of guys that we're going to talk to lining up, some amazing interviews we already have kind of scheduled each week. And if you think a part of this sucked, then it's your bad because you should be leaving comments. You should be telling us what we should do a better job at. We're coachable. Kyle's coachable. I'm coachable. We're trying to be great at this. Kyle's trying to be the best quarterback. I'm trying to be the best quarterback trainer. And together we are trying to be the best quarterback podcast room thing. Just give us some feedback. Uh, We'd love to get better. Thanks so much for coming in. See you next week. Doses. Sounds good, man.